You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. Anyway, we were talking out of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and the sixth verse, most of us can, can quote that. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who haphazardly, half-heartedly, sort of, begrudgingly, those who diligently seek him. God is looking for a a specific, my lips are dry, a specific type of follower. Now, all of us have life, and life becomes distracting, and life can get in the way, and life can become confusing at best sometimes. And all of us have missteps. God understands that. That's why he sent Jesus. But he's looking for people at heart who want to give God the best, who want to give their best life here, not wait for it over there, but who will give their best and live their best life here to God. And here comes the difficult part, to men. He desires for us to be everything we can be in the earth. He desires for us to set an atmosphere for others to find inviting. He desires for us to represent Jesus as accurately as humanly possible. And he desires for us to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit means to be at all times poised and ready for the voice of God to speak to me that I may act in obedience to him. And by an act of my own will, desire to go into the places of fellowship where I can be with him. Now, we all know that the enemy has designed life against us. Why? Because he forfeited his position with God for his own will. He hates you because you look like the heavenly father. And you sinned here through Adam. He sinned in eternity. There's no redemption for sinning in eternity. But if you've sinned here, there's a redemption through Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? And so, why does he want to mess with your life so much? He hates you because you look like your father. And you have your father's ear. And you can speak to your father. And you can walk in the favor of your father. And you can fellowship with your father. And so, he does everything he can to try to interrupt your walk with God. Is this okay? The reason he does that is because 
You are what he can never be, child of God. He can never be that. He'll never be that. And he wants and hates you because you are. Mm. And he gave up the opulence of heaven and the rewards of heaven and the rewards of eternity that you have been promised at the end of this life that you already have the down payment or the earnest payment on through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so he hates you. Mm. So he designs the attitudes of men and life and society around you to become a distraction, to take you out of the game, to get you into trouble. How many are with me so far? Amen. All right. Turn with me, if you would, real quickly to 2 Kings, the 20th chapter. I'm going to read out of the Amplified, so it's English, modern English, not King James English. In those days, Hezekiah became deathly ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order. I don't know if you underline in your Bible, but I would underline that. I would circle that. I would draw a star by that. Set your house in order, for you shall die, and you shall not recover. Now, we're getting started on a positive message this morning. <laughs> I don't think they want me on TV with this message. Verse 2, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, sometimes when you get rough things happen to you in life and you get pronouncements in your life and illness comes in your life, you have no place to go but to seclude yourself alone with God. That's why he looked away from all the distractions in life and got his focus just looking at a blank wall so that he could concentrate on God and not be caught up in life around him. That was a, a moment, a defining moment for Hezekiah. Verse 3, he said, I beseech you, O Lord, Earnestly, remember now how I have walked before you. He was a man of faith before this. I have walked before you in faithfulness and truth and with a whole heart, entirely devoted to you, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your forefather. I have heard your prayer. Oh, that's right. That's shouting ground right there. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, 
I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your life 15 years and deliver you and this city, Jerusalem, out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and my servant David's sake. Number seven. And I said, Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs. Let them lay it on the burning inflammation that he may recover. Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, what shall be the sign of the Lord will heal me, that I shall go up into the house of the Lord on the third day. And Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord that he will do the thing he promised. Mm. Now look, 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 look at the sign. How many like it when the Lord gives a sign? We've had many signs here in Passion Church that God's got revival on his heart. Look at this. What will be the sign? And, and here's what he says. Shall the shadow denoting the time of the day go forward 10 steps or go backward 10 steps? He's, he's asking Hezekiah, which way does the sundial work forwards? or backwards as the sun moves across the sky. Hezekiah answered, it is an easy matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps. So let the shadow go back 10 steps. So Isaiah the prophet cried to the Lord and he brought the shadow then 10 steps backwards by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. That's a pretty good sign. You're going to get your promise. How many want to get your promise? I want my promise. I want everything God has promised to me. So let me lay the backstory and let me move forward. I may have to follow notes. I don't know. I'm just going to trust God. I wanted to lean in and have a real intimate thing with you today, but I feel the preach coming up on the inside of me. Second Kings, the 19th chapter. You don't know what you're asking for. That's like saying sick him to a junkyard dog. Second Kings, the 19th chapter. We get more of the backstory. It actually even starts in chapter 18. Hezekiah is a man of faith. He's a king of faith. He's a king of righteousness. He's been a good king. He's lived right before God. But then an enemy entered into his life. Anyone ever have an enemy enter into your life? When an enemy enters into your life, he can cause all kinds of disruption. And so the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, yeah, he's snacking on some ribs right there. Quit it, you guys. Sennacherib, he, he, he wanted to take out Jerusalem. And so what better way to get advantage on your enemy than to taunt the leader of that nation? Because if you can crack the leader, you can crack the nation. If you crack a leader, you crack the followers. If you crack the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. And so Sennacherib is giving him all kinds of grief. 
And he's telling him, the alliances that you have with nations such as Egypt are nothing. Egypt by this time was not the dynasty it was when the children of Israel was released from it. And he's saying, who are you going to call on who's strong enough to, to keep me from conquering you? And day in and day out, he just keeps taunting and taunting Hezekiah until Hezekiah gets a plan in his heart. And here's what he plans. I'm going to show him the treasuries of the temple. I'm going to show him the treasuries of the king. And I'm going to give him the treasuries of the temple and the treasuries of the king so that this enemy will be appeased and leave us alone. The problem is, that wasn't from the heart of God. It wasn't the plan of God. It was the plan of King Hezekiah. It was trying to put a natural fix on a supernatural problem. Are you with me? Trying to put a natural fix on a supernatural problem. Hezekiah is trying to appease this enemy, Sennacherib, by buying him off with a monetary bribe. But this doesn't rid him of the enemy and his threats. After he did this, he found out it made no difference because Sennacherib still kept coming around. Sennacherib was still in his face. And because Hezekiah, now remember, this is before the days and the age of grace, which you and I live in. By disobeying, and the king was to listen to the prophets, and the king was supposed to have a heart after God. He was supposed to commune with God. He was supposed to know God and follow the voice of God and not be intimidated by anyone else around him. Is this all right? Yep. And so here he is in this situation. He comes up with a natural fix. The natural fix is rejected by God. And this act of trying to appease the enemy only inflamed the situation. His bribe didn't work. His threat over his life and his kingdom, kingdom's work seemed more abysmal than it ever had before. At any time in his life, and any time we try to add human reasoning to God's order, we cause an inflammation in our situation. Any time we try to add human reasoning to God's order, we add inflammation to the situation. Look at your neighbor and say, you look a little inflamed. Not judging. We're not judging today. Inflammation is a localized physical condition in which a part of the body becomes reddened and swollen, hot and painful, and especially as a reaction to an injury or an infection. Inflammation is a reaction of the body's immune system. It's the, it's the body recognizing that there has been damage to cells within the body because of irritants and pathogens trying to destroy the body. Wow. Inflammation can be an overzealous immune system that releases disease into the body. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but all major diseases start with inflammation in the body. If you could stop inflammation, you could stop every disease. Isaiah put this into perspective for Hezekiah. He said, when you let your human effort reason your way into self-reliance, your house got out of order. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We sang it today up here. When we were singing about all those in the temple, I thought, I wonder if anyone's thinking about the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is where worship happens. This is where, this is where, where the promise of God springs forth. This is where faith is built. This is where miracles work. This is it right here because it's the place of worship. And when the place of worship gets out of order, inflammation sets in. Mm. So, when flesh or man's way gets out of God's order, the only outcome is death. Let's let that hang for a minute. When flesh or man's way gets out of God's order, the only outcome is death. And overactive self-reliance is in a spiritual sense, like an overactive immune system trying to fix things that offer up no real threat, no real fix. But the more active the pursuit, the more inflamed the condition. Waging warfare in human effort and reasoning is futile and inflammatory in spiritual settings. I'm just going to shock you right now. The devil doesn't fear you. Some, I've, I've seen people, especially when we first get onto the fact of spiritual warfare, we walk around like, we want to go devil hunting with a switch. The devil ain't afraid of you. He started with Adam and moved on right down the line. You know, there's only one, one human being in all of history, he couldn't get to bend his direction. So you ain't no threat. Slap your neighbor high five say, you didn't look that tough when you came in here. The devil doesn't fear you, but he fears God. And he fears the God in you. And when we get our spiritual house out of order, the devil knows it. He ain't afraid of you. That's why he wants to get you out of order, because if he gets you out of order, he's got you. He'll tell you, he'll tell you that the sun comes up at midnight. Come on, he'll tell you that black is blue. He'll tell you red is white. He'll, he'll confuse you, he'll chase you, he'll lie to you, because he knows if your house is out of order, you are not a threat. Have you ever noticed that when you get closer to God, the harder you work to get close to him, the harder things around you become? Why? Because the enemy's scared to death that if you get in lockstep with Christ, you'll have the power of the Christ in you to defeat him. 
Mm, I'm having fun already. I wasn't going to preach today. Mm. You can quote the word, you can yell, and you can stir up great emotion, but your situation won't change because your authority without God merits nothing. If you come in here to wage warfare and you're going to wage war on the devil, but your prayer life is suffering, your time in the word is suffering, your praise is suffering, your worship is suffering. If any one of those is suffering in any way, just understand that you're trying to fight an unwinnable battle because you've got to be in lockstep and have your house in order to take on the enemies of your life. You see, Jesus gave us his authority. He didn't give you your authority. He gave you his authority. Like lightning I saw Satan fall. And this authority I give to you. But if our time in the word prayer, praise, and worship has diminished, so is our authority because every gift of God is operated by the Holy Spirit of God. If you're having trouble getting someone delivered, I'm here to let you know the reason can be one of two things. Either your prayer life is and your, your walk with God is out of step or the person you're praying with walk is out of step and they don't really want it. Are you with me? So if our authority is a gift from God, it only operates by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Christ in you that brings about the difference. According to Daniel, the seventh chapter, the 25th verse, the enemy comes to wear out the saints. That means to harass them, just like Sennacherib was doing to Hezekiah. He comes to pelt you, to lie to you, to taunt you, to try to call you out, to try to get you out of that place of, of communion with God so that he can catch you just a little bit shy with your house out of order and then Bam, he hits you with something. Some circumstance comes along. He magnifies things around you and gets your mind bent away from God. And pretty soon, the God you were in lockstep with, you'll back up and start complaining against, and you'll start accusing because you've gotten your house out of order. Mm. I want to share this with you real quickly, and you can say this back to your neighbor. The devil is mostly mouth. He really don't have much in his arsenal, but he's got a big mouth. And he's very good at whispering into the atmosphere all kinds of discouraging things around us. And so when something does come along, we get discouraged. And he's a master at that. And if you're not in lockstep fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if you're not walking with God in those moments, life becomes so discouraging because he makes sure that there's a myriad of voices around your life to try to destroy you. His diversion of attacking truth is sent to draw you away from God. He doesn't want you to operate in truth because if you operate in truth, you'll have the power to put him to flight. But if you're not operating with your house in order, in lockstep in truth with Jesus Christ, you are going to find yourself in a place where your power is what you're standing in and not the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He's going to come to push you, to taunt you, to manipulate you, to distract you, to discourage you, to overwork you, to overwhelm you. Why? Because he wants to keep you too distracted to climb up to the mountain into God's presence. He doesn't want you to get into the place of fellowship. Uh, if he can't get you away from uh, uh, the word, which is your faith, where your faith is built, uh, then he's going to lose. But if he can get you away from it, then weakness begins to set in. If he can get you away from prayer, your communion with God, where you fellowship one with another with him, then weakness sets in. If he can get you in the area of praise, where you spend time reminding him that you know about all of the past victories he has given you, and you you can't go there because of the emotional stress or trouble or heartache that you are in, I want you to understand that he's designed that, that if he can chink your armor in that place, then he gets you and he gets your house out of order and with your house out of order how can you praise him how can you lift him up your house is out of order he also tries to taunt you push you out of worship because worship is the place of adoration for who God is there's nothing more important to understand that scripture that we started with in Hebrews 11th The sixth chapter says that we have to understand that by faith, he is, and he is a rewarder. He pays a great dividend to those who diligently seek him. If you want a life of blessing and you want to see upside down things turn right side up, if you want to see shattered finances become right if you want to see shattered relationships become right then you got to set the house in order and do it God's way he's the creator he's the designer he knows how this works and to try to do something without the instruction manual will only allow you to assemble your life in a direction that does not work I'm having fun I don't know about y'all If he can get you in even one of these areas, inflammation sets in to your system. Because the house, the temple, is out of order. God is and always will be your sustaining life and strength. But a busy, distracted, overwhelmed, out of order spiritual walk with God will bring about an unhealthy, overworked sense of something in me has weakened. You ever been to that place? I just don't feel spiritual today. You ever been to that place? I just don't have the strength to do what I used to do. Have you ever wondered, what's wrong with me? (laughs) The reason is, is you can't live a healthy spiritual life without your house being in order. When you are out of order spiritually, something's dying. But look now, Hezekiah came back to what was right. Aren't you glad for that? By prayer and supplication, restoration came to him. 
Now, Hezekiah lived before grace. We are in the age of grace. If you find yourself in a place of, of spiritual sickness, if you find yourself in a place where my prayers aren't working, if you find yourself in a place where the house has gotten out of order, I want you to understand it's much easier for you to come back than it was for Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had no problem shutting out the world and putting his nose to the wall and saying, God, I'm not going to move until you move for me. I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready to give up. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. I'm not backing down. You promised me life and life abundant. And if it's a promise, I'm going to receive that promise. I'm coming after what is rightfully mine. And ladies and gentlemen, you've got it through Jesus Christ. It's already promised to you. You got the down payment of the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is get your house back in order. <laughs> mm. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do some house cleaning. I want you to understand that whatever is dying in and around you can come back in grace. It can be resurrected. Authority will return. Favor will return. Because God's presence will be returned to his proper place. And where is his proper place? On the throne of our life, where he rules, and all inflammation will cease where he rules. We set this house in order. First, the natural, then, the supernatural. That's a fulfillment of scripture right there. That's a high five moment. We want to steward what God has given us in a way that is excellent and honoring and efficient and purposeful and inviting. Both in the natural and in the supernatural. We have to study to show ourselves approved in the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God has a new season waiting for us. It's time to step in in 2019. Let's put God's house in order so we may see his glory. I want to share with you a word that the Lord gave us in 2014. God always kind of gives you a foreknowing of what's about to come. Here's what he said. March the 20th, first day of spring in 2014. The dawning of a glorious day is approaching. Prepare with all diligence. You are a chosen people for this hour and time. I have and will continue to visit you by my power of my sweet Holy Spirit. I have deposited many gifts to those who will be faithful to fulfill all I require. There are many coming to hear the word proclaimed. This is my sovereign call and will bring many out of captivity free from curses, addictions, habits, and false teachings that were laid for them by men, not me. They will come hungry for truth and will need the maturity that I have placed in this body to overcome old traditions of religious spirits and doctrines of men. You possess as a body the gifts to lead them to me and my truth. 
It will set the captives free, and I will be exalted. There are some who will depart. Do not be distracted or dismayed. It is not a sign of you being out of my will, but the sifting that is needed. Stay alert to the wiles of the enemy. He is crafty and will keep trying to interrupt the work that I have begun. This will be exposed from time to time to keep all on the path that I have set. No one that stays will be insignificant. All who are called will be prepared for the work that lies ahead. I will continue to show your leader his purpose and will establish him on a firm foundation that cannot be shaken by circumstances. He will lead and teach in a way that honors me and brings all to maturity that this work for the kingdom needs in this, this hour. Stay alert. Keep prayer your priority and also the word. Your course has been set and I have gone before you. Listen for me and I will guide and direct and nothing will in any way harm you. I am sovereign. I am the Lord. The idea you've got it today is it's time to set the house in order. And in the sickness in the body of Christ, all of the inflammation that's going on on the inside that you can't see to the outside, all of the breaking down of the cellular level of the body that's causing diseases and feuding factions and disrupt, disruptments and, and, and what's the word I want? Uh, offenses. God is here today to heal them, and the word he's given us is the same word he gave to Hezekiah. Set your house in order. Passion Church, how many want your house in order this year? Raise it up big. Raise it up high. Let God see. I want my house in order. I want my house in order. How much better is it to be in an orderly house? Does your house ever get cluttered like mine? Kitchen table piled over. To, sometimes you walk into the kitchen, there's so many dishes, you're like, oh, my goodness. The dishwasher's bound to break down under that load. An orderly house is so much more comfortable than a disorderly house. Now, a lot of people will play that off and joke at it. Well, I don't, don't disturb my piles. I know what's over there, but really they don't. What God wants is for us to set the house in order. God's timing is impeccable. And he knew what we needed for this season. And he knew some of us, our arms had dropped in the battle. He knew 2018 was so difficult for so many people. He, we saw people, not very many, just a handful, who kind of went to the wayside. But our heart's still with them. And we're still praying that like the prodigal, they'll find their way back. But God... Loved us so much that in 2014, he told us what would happen in 2018 so that we would be ready to get the house in order, kill the inflammation, heal the body, and take our city. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram 
at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.